I was uh, really blessed by today's worship service. Um, just feel the Spirit just moving. And um, whenever Jesus is getting lifted up, the Holy Spirit's going to put His finger on that and approve of it. And um, we need Him. We need Him more now than ever. Every single day we need Him more and more, and it's excellent. We just keep asking. So, uh, Cassie, thank you for your word, too, that you shared. And uh, Bobby, you too. I mean, that was... I love that kind of stuff. Keep it going, guys. We need to not to sit there and keep quiet when God's saying something in our hearts. We need to speak these things out. It's part of our walk as disciples. It's part of faith. So, I'm going to be talking a little bit about um, part of my testimony. And um, I think it's important that every believer has something to testify about. And... Um, Testify and witness are pretty much, they're close terms. When you go to court and you testify, you testify, if I've like, gone plenty of times to court before as a cop, and um, what you do is you testify to what you saw and what you heard and what you experienced. And so we are doing that right now um, in our own lives. I want to testify to what the Lord Jesus has done um, in myself and with Becky and our four wonderful children. And um, I have to go back in time about 16, 17 years ago almost. And it was around that time that um, I met Becky over at the inn. And um, I'll tell you, one of the first things that really struck me about Becky, she's over there, she's really beautiful. Um, one of the things that really... I think first caught my attention, besides how um, hot she was, um, was her, she was leading worship, and she has just got a, a spirit for that. And it was just one of the first that really is like, something different about this girl. <laughs> so from the time that we met in 2002, um, I think it was around like May or June or something like that, uh, we were married in about one less than one year from the time. And um, they told us at the end, you're not here to get married or to pair off, but um, God has other plans, and that's okay. And um, during that time, we got married, and we were going to plan on this really long uh, honeymoon. We're going to travel across the United States. And, um, you know, we just had these wonderful plans, and... We're, we went down to Atlanta for a couple of days, and then I think we came back to North Carolina, and we started on our trek across the United States, um, and we got to Oklahoma. And um, I can anything good come out of Oklahoma? Yes, it's okay. <laughs> but um, I remember I was uh, I woke up and I was gotten out of the shower, and I heard uh, Becky crying, and. Um, in our, our hotel room, and I'm like, you know, this is about a week into our marriage. And um, <laughs> like, oh God, what have I done? How long should I stay here? <laughs> Lord, just, I don't know what to do. You know, I'm already kind of a nervous wreck and stuff. So I said, well, I'm, I probably need to be a man about this and just head on out there and figure out what's going on. And I remember her sitting on the bed, and... She was uh, talking on her phone to her brother, James, and um, she's crying. And I'm like, okay, it's, it's nothing I did. 
And um, she gets off the phone and uh, she says, uh, my mom's dead, um, tragically. And I was just in complete shock. You know, I was just like, what do you mean? She's, she's gone? She's like, she's just gone. We got to go back for the funeral. So we got on a plane, left the car there in Oklahoma City, I think it was, and we, we, made, we made our way back, had the funeral. Um, of course, she was just completely devastated, and I was at a complete loss. It was like, I'm a week into this marriage as her husband, and it's like, Lord, what in God's name am I going to do? You know, this is supposed to be a time of joy and celebration. And now it's like, I'm in the fire. And I'm just like, God, I need you. I don't know what to do. So we had so many people pray and encourage for us. Um, people at the end, Larry Ponds, um, he asked, he's like, are you guys going heading back out on your, after the funeral and stuff, he's like, you guys heading back out to your honeymoon? I'm like, yes, we're going to continue on, Absolutely. So we did. But it was during that time, um, pressure and those type of things, those type of tribulations, if you're in the Lord, it's going to produce something wonderful. But you have to do, you have to walk through it. I'm sorry. Uh, For those in the world, sometimes it just absolutely breaks them. And you just, you go your separate ways. But in the Lord, he does bring about goodness out of terrible tragedy and evil. But it was during this time that I just had so many questions for God. It's like, as far as what are we supposed to do? How am I supposed to be a husband? What? Are, and during our honeymoon, she got pregnant too. So, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> but I was excited about that. You know, Seth was our uh, honeymoon gift. He's back there shaking his head. Just, good job, Seth. He's been with us for a long time. But it was during this time, I just I really wanted to seek the Lord, to get clear understanding as far as, what do you want me to do, Lord? How am I supposed to take care of this wonderful woman and now a family? So we used to attend some Bible studies, and I remember there was, um, we had finished the book of Job, which is just, um, if you have not been shocked by what you read in the Bible, I, I doubt that you really read the Bible. It was such a difficult book. <laughs> to study, and at the end of it, I was I was angry. Um, I was just like, "What in God's name did Job do?" You know, his friends were accusing him of all these things, and it's like he really didn't get any answer. He got the the Lord showed up at the end and stuff, and he restored all his fortunes, but he lost his all his kids and all that kind of stuff. Almost lost his mind. So I was a little upset, you know. I had heard from a great teacher once, it's like when you're reading God's word, um, you're not just reading, it's reading you. And it's putting something into you, and it's, it's working things out that don't belong there. Doubt, fear. It's putting things in there that belong, that are everlasting. So at the end of it, I was angry, because I remember one of the guys, he summed it up, I think he was leading our group, I can't remember the guy's name, Becky at all, some tall drink of water guy, I don't know who he was. He's like, well, I really believe that at the end of what Job went through was just to, to test his faith. And um, he had some, Job had some issues, and um, 
You know, I just, I just believe he just, he did that to, to challenge Job's faith, and that was it. Job had done some wrong things. And at the end of it, I was like, no, Job didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> he was a righteous man. God pointed that out. He's like, have you considered my servant Job? Okay. So I was upset. I was stuck in the book of Job for almost a year. Couldn't get out of it. Stuck there. And it didn't make me feel happy, but that's okay. God was doing something in me. So during that time of just seeking and thinking about Job and thinking about my wife, new baby that was coming along, um, you know, just the, the pressures of life and stuff, I had a dream. And this was back in November, I wrote it down, 19th, 2003. And I don't know if it's a, like a vision or if I was there where I went or what I observed and stuff, but it forever changed my life. And I hope that when I get through this dream that I'm going to, um, that I experienced, I'm going to go over some scriptures too. Because I believe that um, this isn't doctrine, this is just something I experienced. We have God's word for doctrine. And this is a sure thing. But, in this dream, um, I was... I don't know if you guys ever had dreams before when you just have a, a knowing or an understanding of where you're at. I knew that I was in heaven. And I was in the outskirts of heaven, kind of like out in the countryside. And I remember I was looking all around. And I remember this warm, beautiful breeze just kind of just blowing past me. And I remember... Um, looking out and watching the grass. I don't know if you guys ever, like, on a spring day, go out and watch, like, the wind just blow the grass out, just kind of ripples, and just has that nice mesmerizing effect, you know. I mean, nature is supposed to do that for us. And I remember looking at the grass, and, and it looked like the grass that we see here on Earth. It was green. But in the where I was at, I could kind of, like, look at it really close. And it wasn't just green, it seemed like there were every single color I've ever seen inside of the grass as well. And I'm like, what is going on here? And just the way that it moved was just, it was majestic. And um, there were other colors inside of it. As it moved, there was like there was more colors that I'd never even seen before. And I was just like, just transfixed. It's like, oh my gosh, this is incredible grass, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And the feeling that I had is I could have just sat there for years and just watched the grass. It was so peaceful and just so just it's like it was the Lord of all the grass, you know, <laughs> the stuff we walk on and we have to mow during the summertime. But up there, it was just it was amazing. So as I was looking around, um, I saw Becky and she was sitting on like this small rock and um there was like a small pool, probably about the size of like this area right here where I'm standing. And it was just this beautiful, tranquil, clear, still pool of water. And I remember looking over at Becky, and I just remember, it's like I looked at her face, and there wasn't one bit of any of the anguish or grief or depression that was there. It was completely obliterated. It was gone. And I was just like, this is just 
my prayers are answered. <laughs> you know, it's just like she's happy again. You know, she's getting over this grief. This is just like I was just so excited. And as I was just pondering these things, this heavenly country that I was in was just becoming very overwhelming to me about how good it was. And I know there's been some people out there that have been saying, well, you know, they've written books about going to heaven, and some people have retracted in saying that I didn't really go. Um, but I testify that the place that I went was real. And as I looked around um, in front of us, so Becky was off to my left, in front of us, sitting on a rock, was Jesus. So he was sitting there on the rock, and he began to speak to both Becky and me about how much he loved us and his care for us. And as he was speaking and using his words, he began to describe our entire lives about how they associated what was going on in heaven. And I remember that when he was speaking, I was just completely transfixed by just the movement of his hands and just the beauty of the words, how they were paired together was... I remember thinking, it's like it's, it's almost like poetry. But then it sounded a lot like a song. And then just the words, the way they went together, were just, they were like too good to even bear to listen to. It was just, it was, I, I couldn't really describe it. It was just like, yes, those words belong together. The way he said them. And when I'm speaking right now, my voice just kind of reverberates and then it goes away. His words did not do that. His words hung in the air, and they began to fill everything. It was, I can't really describe it, but it wasn't like a hollow, like an echo or anything like that. They just stayed in the air. It was a living word that just stayed there and grew in power. So I am very overwhelmed by now, but it's just like in goodness, though. And goodness up there is its not a concept. It's a person. And it is Jesus. So the more he spoke, the happier I was getting. And I remember, I don't know if you guys ever had like a really good laugh, like a really good bellyache laugh, just like when you're just tears are rolling down and your stomach hurts and your face just starts hurting. Because you just heard a great joke or just something at your expense, whatever it was. I was involuntarily smiling. And it was smiling like so much. It's like, this is starting to hurt. <laughs> you know? It was a lot. It was a lot to take in. Because it was so good up there. And I remember I was struck with the notion and the realization that... I was completely forgiven of every single one of my sins. There was no guilt. There was no condemnation. I couldn't even remember any of the stupid things that I've done before. It was just, they were gone. They were gone in his presence. And I was just filled with just a heart that was just was so thankful. 
And I said, I began to thank the Lord with such a heart of gratitude that I'd never experienced before. So while all this is going on, and I'm just taking it all in, at the end of it, it says, finally understood that my time up there with him was, was over. And I tell you, it was, I was like, no, it's like, please, I want to stay here. Please don't send me back. And I remember, you know, I did this really childlike thing. I remember I ran over to where Jesus was sitting and I just fell on my knees and I wrapped my arms around his legs and just buried my head in his lap. I was like, please don't send me back. I want to stay here. Just whatever, just I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just don't send me back. So then the Lord spoke to me. And by this time, you know, it's just a lot of it. I'm hearing it inside of my heart. And I was begging him, please don't send me back. And then he said to me, he's like, your work on earth is not over. You have a lot left to do. And after that, he says, I am in your heart. All that you felt and heard and experienced is already in you. Because I reside in you. So I've never felt or experienced such understanding and kindness and love. And after that, I woke up. And I remember when I looked out the window, it's, if you guys have ever seen like a, like a play that we've done where we have like, like a cutout of like a tree or, you know, the things that are like props, it felt like I, I woke up to a world of props where it's just like that place made this place seem like just shadows as we've read before in the Word. As beautiful as this place is, it is a shadow of the things that are to come. That is the reality. So, and I was, I was beside myself. All I could say when I woke up is like, he is so wonderful. He is so wonderful. And poor Becky, she probably thought I was losing my mind. Or they're crying and stuff like that. But you can't help but feel those things. And it's okay. So... That's what happened, and I want to really kind of tie um, some scriptures um, into the experience as well. And uh, Seth, if you can go to the first one in Psalms. If you guys want to follow along, that's fine. I'm not as fast as Derek Prince getting to these uh, verses and stuff. He'll have to forgive me. Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul and leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. So I got to see that grass in those pastures, in that water, in the shepherd himself. So, a lot of you guys, I don't know you, but I believe everything that's written in this book, in the Bible, is true. And that we are living in the last days. And that the Holy Spirit 
is being poured out into our hearts. And there's a reason for this. If you go to Acts 2, this is verse 14. So this is after when Jesus had ascended into heaven. He said, go back to Jerusalem and there's going to be something there waiting for you. Something awesome. So Peter gets up. Because some of the guys were saying, oh, this is wonderful. We're hearing all these praises of God. Some people are saying, oh, it's just, they're just being drunk. So Peter talks about what was written in the book of Joel. Verse 17, he says, And it shall come about in the past, in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men and your young men will see visions and dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. Um, why does God do that? The Muslims don't do this kind of stuff. Okay? And the people in the world don't do this kind of stuff at all. But we, when you come to know Jesus, have the ability to be filled with the Holy Spirit so we can do the works that Jesus did while he was on earth. Okay? So why do we do... Why? What is the purpose of having some of these, these gifts being poured out? And why was Bobby doing the things that he was doing this morning? Or Kathy giving the word that she gave? Why do we get up here and worship? important thing to ask yourself. So why did he send his spirit? We go to John 16. Starting in the uh, verse 7. And this is Jesus speaking to his disciples before he's getting ready to go to the cross. He goes, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And one of the things, um, one of my favorite pastors, he always says a lot, the Holy Spirit's called the Helper, not the doer. He gives us the power to do those things, those good works. That we were created for. And also in verses 13 through 15, Jesus is still speaking. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All the things that the Father has are mine, and therefore I said he will take of mine and declare it to you. You guys can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 
It's going to be 6 through 9 first. How will we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age? What is the wisdom of this age? I think a lot of it has to do with people telling themselves, hey, you're good deep down inside. You have no need of anything. You are self-sufficient. That is part of the wisdom of the sage and is to be rejected. Yet not the wisdom of the sage, nor the rulers of the sage who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God has ordained before ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For if they had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Here's a wonderful verse coming up, guys. But as is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man, no imagination the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And I know one of my kids, he came to me, I don't know how long ago, it might have been Caleb. He's like, Dad, he's like, when we get to heaven, um, are there going to be, like, Bemo, our dog, will he be in heaven with us? Because I think some teacher or someone had told him, it's like, no, there's, you know, animals don't have souls, they're not going to be in heaven. I'm sorry. The animals are going to be in heaven, guys. It's okay. (laughs) This right here tells us that even our most fertile imagination, the most wonderful thing you can think of, we're not going to even scratch the surface of how great it's going to be in heaven. Okay? It's going to be there. It's okay. Well, I can know who said that to my son. I don't think it was this church. It might have been someone else. So let's go to Job. My man. Job chapter 42. And I really related a lot to this um, part of my testimony of having to walk through these things. Um, Job's just a great guy. Chapter 42, verse 1. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything, and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You asked, Who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said, I will question you, and you shall answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. It's got to be both people. It's not just good enough to hear. We've got to see him in all that we do. He is the center of everything. He is the mystery of God. That's Jesus. And he's king. He's not dead in a tomb. That blasted book, was it brown? I don't know what it was. Something 15 years ago. He's not dead. He's alive. I saw him. 
He's real. He's more real than any of this foolishness down here. And he's coming with power the next time we see him. To set up his kingdom and his rule. And we're going to be part of that. It is real. Here's another guy I like a lot. Genesis 28. Good old Jacob. One of the things that really strikes me is that when God introduced himself to Moses, he says, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham, I can understand. He did some awesome, incredible things. Isaac is like, wow, he had a pretty good free ride for the most part. What a great son, you know. I mean, he did have to kind of let his dad almost kill him and stuff. But Isaac was a great guy. And then you get Jacob. Oh, my gosh, what a mess. What a mess. So in chapter 28, he is on the run for his life. Esau, his twin brother, swindled him out of his inheritance. And Esau wanted to murder him. So wait till daddy's gone. Because as soon as he's gone, his head's going to be on a platter. I'm coming for you. And he lied to his blind father, Isaac. Tricked him. So he's on the run. He's got nothing. He's on the run. Chapter 28, verses 11. So Jacob came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and he put it at his head. And he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed. And behold, a ladder was set up on the earth. And at its top reached to heaven. And there were angels of God, and they were ascending and descending upon it. Behold, the Lord stood above it all and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land of which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad all the way from the west to the east, to the north and to the south. And through your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. And I will not leave you. Kathy just talked about that. I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. And Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid. He said, How awesome is this place? There is none like it. The house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob, he was on the run. He was in distress. And the whole ladder set up on earth. Angels going up. Angels coming down. I tell you, we need to have those type of experiences with God where we can take those things that are up in heaven and bring them down to earth 
to share with believers. That is part of our inheritance. The Holy Spirit was given also that we might know everything that has been purchased through Jesus at the cross. That's been given freely to us. Some of you guys need to stop working for these things and just accept the gift. And once you accept the gift, don't put it away. Open it up. Okay? These are gifts. And as one other pastor said before, they're not toys. They're for the building of the body. The building of your faith. So one of the big questions I guess I had when it came to just my own walk is why do we suffer? I know there's actually I heard one pastor on YouTube is probably where he needs to stay. He was saying it's like anytime something bad happens to you, it's not from the Lord. And if you're suffering, you're doing something wrong. It's like, guys, that is part and parcel of who we are. We have to walk through these hard times. You guys go to First Peter chapter 4. Is that water for me? Excellent. I'm getting thirsty. Peter, where are you? He's not out in the crowd either. I think you guys are going to beat me there. First Peter chapter 4, starting with verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Going on to verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. John has talked about that for decades. Fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. For each one of you has received a gift. Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do so with the ability that God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom we belong to. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen.
I want to finish up with in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, you don't work for this. Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, we also glory in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance or endurance. And as Derek said one time, how do you get through and endure and go through these things? You have to endure it. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint Because the love of God has been poured or shed abroad, I like that one better, in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who was given to us for when we were still without strength. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will someone die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone will even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that we were still sinners. Christ died for us. So, there are some of you who are moving along in the things of God. You are maturing, you're seeing fruit, and it's a wonderful thing. Even if you are going through hard times, don't stop. Keep moving on. Don't give up. There are some of you guys who have probably never even heard of the gospel before, perhaps. And if you have it, it's a free gift. Come and get it. Come receive him. That's where it all starts, being born again. Your spirit getting born again, it comes from heaven. It is of God. It's nothing of this world. It's not the wisdom of this world. It's not some cunning devised fables that are written about. It's the truth. And there's some of you guys here who've walked away. We've kind of wandered from the faith. Come back. Come back. Stop wandering. Stop wasting time. And if you don't know how to come back, just ask. He will show you the way back. He will show you the way back to the Father's house. And the Father's waiting there for you. Don't waste any more time, though. So, it's been 16 years since this happened to me and to my wife, Becky. And I can say that the work of God continues on in our lives and in our children's lives. And I want more than anything else, when I finally see him again, face to face, as each one of you who call on his name, you will see him face to face. I want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. 
Every single one of you as believers, that's got to be the heart cry. I want to please you. And the spirit within us craves that. Wants to be at union with God. Wants that fellowship. Wants to worship. And that's the most intimate part. When we worship in spirit and in truth. So here we are. Our number is kind of small in some ways. I don't care. It doesn't matter. He had 12. We've got a lot more than 12 here. And his spirit's in us. But continue in what you're doing. If you need to repent, turn around. Do the right thing. He is there waiting for you. If you know what your gift is, start exercising it. Start working it out. If you don't understand what I'm talking about, there are people here that can pray for you. Lay hands on you. Get baptized in the Holy Spirit. I know sometimes that's a controversial thing to say, but the apostles couldn't do what they did until they received what came. The promise that came from heaven. Jesus told them, go and wait. And then afterwards, they were completely different men and women. They were bold. Signs and wonders begin to follow. And I hunger for those days again that we can do the things that Christ did. And he said something even bolder and even almost crazy. He said, we'll do things greater. We live in those days. This age is not going to keep going. We're not going on for billions of years. It is wrapping up. He is coming back. He is real. And he's coming for a people who are zealous for good works, ready for him to come back. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. It's going to get that bad. It's going to get really bad out there to the point where it's like all we got left is him. Because everything that can be shaken, it's going to be shaken. And everything that remains is from him. And it's going to remain forever. Okay? Love you guys.